Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It's after 11 o'clock, but I still think we've done okay to get away. It's a day, gosh, I don't know now. Does Middle Sunday count as a day? I don't think so. I think we call them day 13 is the last one. This is day seven. Seven, very good. Uh, Wimbledon, we're just walking up the hill in what I have to say is pretty miserable conditions. It's a good thing that we're going to be under the roof for the rest of the week because I don't think the forecast is getting much better. Welcome to the indoor Wimbledon. Um, we've just come away from quite a disappointing evening from a British perspective, and I think probably... I mean, it's always hard to gauge, but from an international perspective, because I think Emma Raducanu's run has captured quite a lot of people's imaginations, because she's only 18, but she walks around like a 25-year-old, and she hits it like a 25-year-old, so I like to think that we're not the only ones who got excited about her. She retired from her match with, I'm going to say her name right here, Isla Tomljanovic. Tomljanovic, which has more J's in it than you might expect. Um, 6-4-3 love down she was, she appeared to be struggling to breathe when the physios came out, took her off court and then she retired from there. Um, George, let's talk about the tennis first. Uh, she held her own pretty well, in fact extremely well in the first set and then just got broken at the wrong time. Yeah, I, I felt, you know, that, that was at the uh, ninth game in the first set where she had two break points on the Timberlandovic serve. I felt at that point she was kind of going and then in the following game on serve, there was just one moment where she had a long rally and she kind of leant over her racket yeah. and I sensed at that moment I was like, oh dear. I, was like, I wasn't sure if it was a thigh thing at first because she kind of held her thigh and she was leaning over looking knackered or a fatigue thing and then you could tell in that, as soon as she got broken there, it, it wasn't looking great. Um, I mean, that was the longest rally of the match, it was 21 shots. There you go, good um, And wh what's amazing is that four points previous, had been the previous longest rally of the match at 20, and Raducanu yeah. won it. And it, it's a shame because the quality had actually really kicked up in those games around there. Like the first six games, I'd say, it was quite nervy. Yeah. Um, certainly from Raducanu side, and a little bit from Tom Lalovic, feeling each other out. And it felt like they just got this kind of freedom of strokes. It was becoming a really good watch. And then, obviously, what happened, happened. And, um, yeah, I, I'm really disappointed because I, I was so excited the other day, you know. I was, a giddy little child coming off court. Um, we didn't do a podlet on Saturday night, but you know, we did a full pod 
on Sunday and you know there's all the excitement and hype and we kind of said you know one of the worst things that can happen to a player is just can their body hold up and can things go wrong and we don't know exactly what's happened and it's hard to kind of speculate too much but yeah and know, actually it's just deflating isn't it yeah and it's important to kind of stress this I mean the the big reaction to the reaction tonight has been to John McEnroe's comments saying that she couldn't handle the pressure it's pretty unfair and, and like I actually slightly feel sorry for John in this situation because as a TV pundit you are required to have an opinion at all times and I know that you know producer will have been in the air going can we keep talking about this please let's talk about maybe it was pressure maybe it's this and you know sometimes that's bad producing but sometimes that's just live TV and you have to talk about something and it's the only thing anyone else will be talking about <laughs> equally you do have a responsibility to handle it sensitively and fairly to the player you know because loads of Emma Raducanu's family and friends will have been watching that concerned and the reality is that none of us know we still don't know you know two hours after the fact we still don't know exactly what's happened doctors may not even know Emma may not know so it's not really fair I think to, to kind of come out and speculate like that is it yeah and you know I always just think with these things I'm always just a little bit disappointed there's never a first and foremost I hope she's okay sort of thing I always think that's missing a touch from McEnroe's but you know he's he's someone who calls it as as he sees it whether you say <laughs> it right or wrong yeah um, and that's why he's paid what he is to broadcast because he has an opinion um, no I, matter I, what yeah and look it's just so hard to say I don't want to speculate really on it at the minute but um, hopefully we get a bit more detail I mean we're, we're from a professional perspective a little bit relieved that we were told there is no statement tonight because um, it means we can go home it means we can leave uh, it was going to be a long waiting game otherwise yeah. So, um, yeah. as it yeah. often is with these things um, there's lots of other good tennis to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, Exciting day, really, actually. Yeah, well, so it's called Manic Monday. I didn't find it that manic. I didn't think, because I felt like 85% of the matches went the way I thought they were going to go. Well, I, had a, I had a manic start today. Yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's the number 39 bus, by the nice. way. I think we've had a different number every time. Yeah, we have. It's very exciting. Um, I had quite a manic start when I woke up and saw Christina Mladenovic's find. That that drove the start of my manic Monday. Seven and a half thousand dollars yep. for five thousand four hundred pounds. Right. Is that what you're after? <laughs> I was after for the reason. Oh, four. I thought you said all. Ah. <laughs> you're asking for the math. Uh, four. Well, again, I need to be uh, obviously fairly careful how I phrase exactly this, but essentially a. Mladenovic lost in doubles quite badly her partner Tanea Babos from like two and one um, and there was she was attempting to leave the site went to the transport desk and uh, she well the long and short of it is team Mladenovic wanted a private transport and they were told they'd have to get the bus yeah that is not that's not the deal I'm afraid and uh, a family member of Mladenovic's then kind of launched into a big tirade against these poor I mean, your efforts at anonymity here are tough because there's only so many members of the Mladenovic family and it wasn't her. <laughs> the poor staff members who were at the transport desk uh, received the full essentially security kind of had to intervene and, um, yes, it, it, it all ended quite sad. What I will say is, uh, my understanding of this is far from the first situation like this is just the fact that we had a big fine to chase up yeah that gave us the hint something had happened and 
Because it's, know, like, it's under, you wouldn't hear about otherwise. It's under unsportsmanlike conduct, which well, is, I covers the, all, you know, all manner of things. Yeah, and this is the thing, you know, this morning I, I saw that and I said to my colleague who's with me, I said, right, I need you to go through Mladenovic's matches, try and work out what this is, because I'm astonished we've not seen anything come up about this for such a big fine. Because it's a huge fine. I mean, it's more than twice what anyone else has been fined for yeah. anything else in the tournament. Um, I think it's also all of her singles prize money for the year or something. Is that right? Well, I, actually, I don't. I saw someone say that on Twitter. I didn't check it, and I actually she, think she's one of. I round. think yeah, I yeah, think yeah, she's yeah. around the slam, so yeah, that yeah. kind of kills. Maybe it. outside the slams. Yeah, yeah, because she doesn't win lots of matches. Yeah, I'm sure that's not true. Um, but, but yes, that was the reason that you missed our appointment uh, on number two court. Yes. For Onzuber versus Igor Shvante, which promised to be one of the matches of the tournament. It, and a like bit, it was quite good in the first set, wasn't it? Well, so it's weird, actually. I actually had a different opinion from quite a few other people. Oh, really? Well, I didn't really watch it. I was too busy. But so I was... I was on court, and I think... No, well, I know not many other journalists were. And I always think on court, sometimes you just see things differently. And I just felt the first five games were quite tight. Like, Shvantec missed five or six balls by 10, 12 feet, like, long and framed a few and Ons missed a few as well like into the net I just felt like alright it's a bit nervy and like Ons is like uh, it was a little bit windy which I suppose may have contributed to it and it has been windy here today but then yeah once we got to sort of the midpoint in the first set what happened happened and what we thought should happen happened um, Shontek nicked the, the first, uh, first set yeah from a breakdown uh, she won four consecutive games on served for it and failed and I was like, uh-oh, here we go. And she only lost two more games, basically. Uh, it's just kind of crazy. Really, I was, honestly. <laughs> I was only seeing the score tick along, but I was really expecting, A, Siontek to kind of steam off in the second, but B, I was just assuming the second one, she was almost throwing away for a, a third set reset and nothing. just never came back. Yeah, remarkable, really. And actually, Ons playing that shot that she sometimes does play, the drop shot, she, I think she hit four drop shot second serve return winners nice which uh, all off the backhand wing obviously she's good fun isn't she yeah you know she's a great player there are loads of Tunisians in as well which is nice to see yeah um, I, she obviously represents a really big not just Tunisia it's a really small country she represents all Arab women yeah uh, and she she's really proud of that as well you know she has said impress every time yeah you know this is who I stand for and I stand for all Arab women I, I'm really Admire that, that, yeah. yeah. And um, she could win it. I mean, going through Mugaru things, she, she maybe could. She maybe could. Um, George and I have just stopped in a bus stop. It's very glamorous. This is what podcasting looks like. Um, what other matches do you, did you end up on today? Well, I didn't end up on it per se, but I did, I did want to mention Carolina Mukova's win. I, was, <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, I was very pleased to keep my fancy hopes alive. I, I don't know how many, how much I've got into this in this tournament, but I'm on a year-long uh, fantasy bet with a couple of friends about a curry house at the Jarhead in Birmingham. We're going to go through Christmas. So as we know, Andrew Philpott, our Australian Open champion, won the first one. I clawed it back in the second one. We've got a third friend playing called Hamish or H-Bomb. And this, this slam is now wonderfully poised. This is really good fun. So Philpott's had a lead. He's got his qualifiers. But now he's covered by my Federer and Djokovic. So Mukova. A, a differential. Differential there. 
while we've got Federer, Hamish has got Berrettini. Right. So if he goes to the final at the expense of Federer, we could have a final where Berrettini's playing to win our fantasy trio. Wow. While Makova also could get to the final and be playing to win as well. So Can I recommend not telling either of them that? Because it just might be too much pressure. Too much pressure. Like, just, we, we've been having a good pressure conversation. I promise them I'll bring it up. Okay, uh, very today, good. But yeah, um, I was pleased anyway. Yes, I know you were. You couldn't really get away <laughs> from it. Um, I was on centre for one of the most boring matches I've watched this year, which is Djokovic-Garin, yeah. uh, where basically Djokovic killed him in the first set. It then got a bit windy and Djokovic missed a few balls in the second set, and so it was close for a bit. And There's then, not going to be many great Djokovic matches in this side of the draw, I suspect. It's going to be well, he's pretty... so good. He put Honestly, first set, I cannot remember him missing a ball. Like It's sometimes hard when you've got a guy like Christian Garin doesn't have a lot of weapons, isn't very good on grass, and... Like someone gets to the fourth round, really, Garen. I mean, like you know, he's a clay court specialist. He's had a good draw. He had a bit of a hash of the first one, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just and it's it's just yeah, exactly. And you know, Djokovic's draw gets better because he's got Martin Fuksovic, who by all accounts blew away Andre Rublev. And I was watching some of that actually, and you know, some of the winners. I saw Rublev a few times sticking his hands out, going, "What the hell am I meant to do here?" I mean, it was. Really impressive. Fuzovic was a former junior Wimbledon champion. Interesting, isn't it? Just like uh, Denis Shapovalov, who's also for So, the, you know, and there's a lot of first-time quarter-finalists today. I like How that many? stat. Uh, so, as of tomorrow, once Medvedev and her captain is, of course, they've not been to the quarter-finals as well, there will be 12 first-time quarter-finalists across the men's and women's draws. Okay. So, six in each. Uh, an outright we- record for the women. An outright we- record for both draws. And a joint record in the men. Okay. Do you How know when the last time the men had six first-time quarterfinalists? Uh, I I can tell you all the different dates it happened. 2014 was the year that both men and women had ten, so we've gone to twelve. Right. Then there was stuff like two, 1997, 2001. Yeah. I, I can't remember the, right. the exact ones. Really I look long, forward to it. It's in my article on it, which okay, was, lovely. felt a bit silly after uh, Raducanu's incident, but okay. I did still put it out. Yeah. Uh, and then I also sat through Coco Goff, Angelique Kerber. Yeah, well, Kerber. I mean, Angie Kerber's playing to tennis. And it was interesting listening to Goff afterwards because she said, um, oh, you know, everyone said the same thing in the scouting report. Be prepared for balls to come back that you didn't expect to come back. And actually, in parts it was the other way around Kerber was just pushing around the court and Goff was getting and getting and getting the whole way around it was amazing so yeah Kerber's playing some great tennis she obviously won in Bad Homburg um, she didn't win in Good Homburg um, yeah see you later mate uh, honestly the way Goff's a hell of a player and she didn't get a set off her she didn't really even get close to getting a set off her uh, so yeah, I, I think Kerber's in, in pretty good nick there. Golovich as well, great result over Madison Keys. She's now beaten. She's the first ever player to beat two Madisons in a row at a Grand Slam. Right. She beat Madison Brengler in the previous round. I don't know if that's true. It All seems right. unlikely, <laughs> but it seems unlikely that it's happened before. Yeah. It'd be good, because it's also, I think it might be the first time we'd ever had two Cocos in the third round of a Slam, because Coco van der Vega made it through as well. Um, I, I think we could see one day a US Open where we have like two Cocos, two Madisons. It could happen. Um, tomorrow, women's quarterfinals. Yeah. Uh, of, quick predictions for this? Yes. Ash Barty against Alia Tomjanovic. It's got to be Barty, isn't it? I, think, I thought Tomjanovic played really well today, but I just. Barty seems quite locked in to me. I don't know if you can hear that on the pod, but it's it has really just wet. started leathering down, and I'm cycling home without my waterproof, which is going to be interesting. Um, 
the second quarter, what's well, the first quarter final on centre, I should say, is Ons Jabur against Arena Savalenka. I mean, I don't know what's prediction in terms of result, but I'd like to predict a lot of balls getting hurt. Yeah, I kind of fancy Jabur, but I mean, I've been backing against Savalenka a little bit, mainly because I'm just annoyed she ruined my French Open right. uh, fantasy. So I've kind of been expecting her not to get there, but she does look kind of in the zone. That was a good win today. I thought Rubikina was a really tough one. Also, yep. my friend Phil Potter had hers, so I was pleased to see her. <laughs> and she dropped the second set, which yeah. is always a bit of a wobble. Tight. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think Jabor's playing really well. I, I probably edge towards her in three. Yeah. So I'll go Barty in two, Jabor in three. I think if Ons plays the right type of game, she'll win. Yeah. And I think she's bright enough to do it. She's got more, I think, we- more uh, ways variety. of winning, but Sabalenka could blow it out of her hands. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then we get a court one, which is not particularly impressive. Kalyan Pliskova against Victoria Golubic. Yeah. Well, I have to say I know very little about. A nice one-handed backhand. Um, oh, that is rare. It's an interesting one. I mean, Pliskova is someone I kind of thought would go out in the first three rounds just because that's kind of our state of view of her these days. And Agreed. Almost we've got to the point where she's so under the radar that she thinks she's under the radar and now she's at the point where she's not under the radar and that's normally when it goes wrong, but I still think Shopping up a Golovic, through in straight, and then lose the semi-finals. Okay, and the other uh, quarter-finals, the one you have the most invested in, uh, Angelique Kerber against Kylie Mukova. Well, I had called Mukova to go to the final in Mike Dixon's wife's. She made me predict every single result, and she apparently does this on Middle Sunday for everyone, so we watch the football at Mike's uh, on Saturday night and uh, she made me map out every single result in the draw. Now, at that stage, put Mukova through to the final, sticking by it. Mukova to beat Kerber, three sets, big shot. Let's go. But I've probably got my fantasy hat on there. Yeah. More hope than expectation. I would take Kerber in straights, I think, having watched her today. Uh, it'll be a good day. We won't be disrupted by rain because we'll have the roof on. Yeah. I can tell you, I may be disrupted by rain on the way home. And Medvedev her catch coming back as well. Maybe there's two sets to one up, isn't he? Yeah, should finish it. Easy. Anyway, game over. Sports Social Podcast Network.